Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. We had a guest on recently, uh, Robbie Burns, who was talking about his avoiding tag, for instance, and if he noticed he was avoiding something, he would tag it with avoiding, and and he'd make a point of uh, doing at least one of those avoiding things at the beginning of the day, and just really commented on how much uh, that freed up his, his time and energy, and, and uh, just having gotten that thing that was maybe occupying some mental bandwidth out of the way. It was very useful, and this is a great use for tags, because it's a really convenient way to to hone in on those things you don't have to do a lot of work to find them they're already they're waiting to be uh, waiting to be challenged welcome to another episode of ipad pros be ready to learn a bunch in this episode with tim stringer from LearnOmniFocus.com. this will be one of the most in-depth episodes i've done on OmniFocus. we dive into pretty much every aspect of the application i could think to ask about and i myself learned quite a bit conducting this interview you can find Tim's work over at LearnOmniFocus.com. If you want to learn more about OmniFocus and the other Omni Group apps, I'd encourage you to go back to the archives of this podcast and listen to episode 59, where I interviewed Ken Case, the CEO of the Omni Group. OmniFocus is my favorite task manager for the iPad, and in this episode, you'll hear why it is such a powerful and flexible tool. As a reminder, you can support this podcast a couple of different ways. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can support the Patreon over at patreon.com slash iPadPros. With that, here's my interview with Tim Stringer, all about OmniFocus. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Can you first introduce yourself and kind of how you use the iPad? Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, great to be here. Thanks thanks for inviting me. Uh, my name's Tim Stringer. I'm a productivity consultant and teacher based in Vancouver, Canada, and about... Uh, 17 years ago now, I formed a company called Technically Simple, which uh, was and continues to be all about helping people make productive use of technology. And one of the offshoots of that, uh, something we're going to be talking about today, is uh, Learn OmniFocus, which is essentially about teaching people about productivity, but having the OmniFocus personal task manager be the, the focal point for that. And in terms of the iPad, uh, I've been using that since literally since the very beginning. I had a brief stint working for a company that developed software for iPhones and iPads and Macs around the time that the iPad came out. So I had I was one of the first people to have the original first generation. And uh, growing up with technology and seeing, you know, just how much it's gone over the years, it's the the iPad really felt like science fiction and I think it still does to some extent. Sometimes I just really marvel at the this amazing piece of glass that I can hold in my hands that does so many amazing things. And in terms of how I use it, I'm sure we'll get into more detail as we go through, but the short version is it tends to vary quite a bit depending on my context. Uh, if I'm traveling uh, back, back when I did do some traveling on vacation, especially sometimes my iPad is my my primary tech. Um, when I'm working at home, as I am in my home office now, then the iPad is either kind of a sidekick to to the Mac that I'm doing a lot of my work on, where I might be using the iPad to reference checklists or websites or something like that. But the iPad is also what gives me the freedom of just picking up and moving somewhere else to do some reading or writing or reviewing or something like that. And just having that ability to, to take it with me and use it pretty much anywhere is, is one of the things I really enjoy about it. Yeah. And do you have a laptop or does the iPad serve that role for you, especially with the Magic Keyboard now? Um, I've got a I've got an iMac, which is my primary uh, computer. And then I also have a MacBook Pro. 
um, that my wife has kind of taken over recently because uh, she's she's been working virtually uh, since since March. Um, so I still get to use it every so often, but uh, the MacBook Pro is, tends to be more the machine I'm taking with me if I travel um, where I'm going to need some features that only the Mac can provide. And sometimes the, many times the iPad is serving as my, my laptop, especially if I'm not needing to do any of those Mac specific things. And that's definitely, if I can get away with it, I definitely prefer to just take the iPad with me and travel light and, uh, and just have really easy access to my documents and everything wherever I happen to be. Sure. So with OmniFocus, uh, before we dive into the application too much, I'm just curious, what's kind of, kind of the range of fields your clients that you help train work in? Is it a pretty vast array of where people are using OmniFocus in different industries that's being applied to? It's incredibly vast. And that's one of the things I love about this work is I, I don't think it would be possible to come up with a sort of stereotypical client because I've literally worked from everyone from artists to CTOs of large companies. And, and it's really interesting to just see how OmniFocus can be used in so many different contexts. Like you could be a, an executive responsible for tens of thousands of people using it, or you could be a solo printer who's, you know, essentially working independently and and OmniFocus still has a vital role to play either way. So for someone new to OmniFocus, can you provide a brief overview of the application, what kind of its strengths and weaknesses are? Yeah, sure. So to give a bit of history, OmniFocus is an app that's developed by the, the Omni Group, who have been around for, I think it's 25 years now. So they're definitely one of the, the veterans of the software industry. And OmniFocus grew out of their Omni Outliner app. So they have an outlining app, which continues to be going strong. And a lot of people were using it for task management. So there's even something called Kinkless GTD, which uh, which was an adaptation of using Omni Outliner for, for task management. So OmniFocus grew out of that as a tool that's really designed to help people manage their personal tasks. And I think the essence of OmniFocus, at least the way I approach it, is it's the place to go when you have the question, what's next? And you want to know, okay, I've got an hour or two uh, of discretionary time, time to spend on whatever, and I want to know what is the best use of my time. So if OmniFocus has been reviewed appropriately and has the appropriate information, within seconds, you can say, okay, I know exactly what to do next. And get down to work instead of spending the next 20 minutes trying to figure out, you know, what could I do given that there's hundreds of things I could do in any given moment. In terms of strengths, it's a very adaptable tool. It's very configurable, um, very automation friendly. It's just something you can kind of mold into whatever you want it to be in many ways. I guess some of its strengths could be seen as weaknesses as well, because uh, sometimes people do get a little bit overwhelmed going in and it's that sort of that stress of having a blank canvas and not having necessarily a clear guidance in terms of how to to use the tool. And that's one of the reasons that I, I launched to learn OmniFocus. I guess another piece of it too is it is essentially a list manager. And, um, it's for managing lists that happen to be projects or they might be you know one-off actions within a single action list. And the, the sort of essence there is that you're able to easily manage those lists and see them in many different ways. What I would love to see in the future is a more visual way of interacting with those things, maybe like a, a kind of a Trello style Kanban view to 
as an alternate way to view the list. And that's some feedback I've shared with the Omni Group, and that would be a really nice accent to it. Yeah, kind of like card style interface mode or something like that, where you're able to drag these cards around. And yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm also an avid user of Asana. The, that's what I use on the collaboration side of things. And I do like that Asana, you can see things as a list, but you can also switch to other views. You've got a boards view, a timeline view, a calendar view, and it's just a different, it's seeing the same data, but sometimes for certain types of information, it's more useful to see it in a maybe a board format rather than list. Yeah. So you mentioned you have like 20 minutes to do something and you can use OmniFocus to do that. Are you a big proponent of then using the estimated time to complete a task as part of the metadata you input for tasks, are you good at estimating that time pretty well and using that? Yeah, Mick, yeah, that's a feature I didn't use for quite a few years, but in the last, I'd say, three years or so, I've really embraced the estimated duration field. And there's a couple of reasons that I think it's really useful. One is it adds some friction to the task creation process, but in a good way, uh, because it kind of forces that that thought process to say, how long will this thing actually take me in as part of that process, I might say, okay, this is more than one task. I actually need to split this out into a few tasks. Or this is something really quick. I know I can do it in five minutes. Or this is so quick, I might as well just do it now and not even bother creating a task. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if it was a single <laughs> minute, just do it now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I really uh, like that in terms of the defining of tasks. Um, but in terms of being able to, to your question, uh, determine what's something useful to do if I have 20 minutes to spare, if that information does exist within OmniFocus, it's possible to have a perspective that says, show me everything that's going to take me less than 15 minutes to do or something like that, or less than five minutes. And the fact that I've already given OmniFocus that information about how long things are going to take, OmniFocus can very easily generate those lists and say, okay, here's a list of your, your five-minute tasks. And to encourage adoption of that, what I do is I, I include anything that's undefined in those less than include estimated tasks. And that gives me uh, an added incentive to say, okay, no, this is actually a longer task. I'm going to give it a 20-minute estimated duration so that'll take it off the list of any short task perspectives. Okay, yeah, that's smart. And that custom perspective is kind of how OmniFocus handles the smart filtering to find things like that. What other things do you use custom perspective to to sort out and see visually in that way? Yeah, sure. They're used in many different ways. Generally speaking, I divide my use of OmniFocus into the, the planning or review where I'm actually looking at it. I'm not actually actively checking off the circles at that point. So that's one side of it. And the other side is the actual doing of the tasks to say, okay, I've got a task to email so-and-so or do some research on something, something along those lines. And I find custom perspectives, um, if you're not familiar with that term perspective, a perspective is basically a viewpoint of your OmniFocus database. It's a way of looking at your data. It's a way of surfacing those things that are most relevant. And OmniFocus has a number of perspectives that are built right in. The inbox is a perspective. There's a flagged perspective, projects, tags. Um, things like that, but then you can create your own views of the database. So for instance, when I'm more in a review planning phase, I might have a perspective that shows me all of my active projects. So I can kind of get a sense of my commitment level. And that's something I look at as part of a, a weekly review. Uh, I also have ones that uh, show me 
projects that are stalled. So there's a defined outcome, but there's nothing to move it forward. So I have one that uh, very quickly surfaces those. Uh, so those are the ones that are in the first category. They're more about the, the planning and the review. And then the more executional ones. So if I've got that 20 minutes to work on something, I've got a, a number of those. Uh, the basic two ones, there's ones called Today and one called Hotlist. And Hotlist is a subset of Today. It only shows available items that are due soon or flagged. And then the uh, Today one is a little broader in terms that it shows things that are available that have a deferred date or have been tagged with Today, or I call it soon in my case. Um, so those are the main two I would use, but then I have ones that are based on those that are more specific. So I've got a like a personal version of my Today list. I've got a personal version of the Hotlist. I've got a, a consulting version of Today, a consulting version of Hotlist. So I can very easily hone in on those tasks and... Maybe I'm really only interested in seeing work-related tasks uh, because I'm in, in work mode, so I can have a perspective that only shows me ones that are in that in that part of my system. Okay. And for people that have a lot of tasks to do at home and uh, for work, you can easily separate out that and kind of forget about your day job when you're at home with perspectives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The key is to have the system be flexible enough that you can go into whatever view is most useful. For instance, at lunchtime, I do look at my today perspective because I want to see everything else that's on my list for today, uh, regardless of whether it's work or personal. But then when I'm done with my lunch break, I'll, I'll go into the work-related perspectives and and usually give those the most attention. Um, occasionally, I might uh, work from the hot list one because there might be things across my whole system that uh, that need to be addressed before the end of the day or I'd like to get done by, by 5 o'clock, that sort of thing. But uh, it's really just noticing where I am and what mode I'm in and just asking OmniFocus to give me the list that's most relevant. Gotcha. And for those that have tried other task managers, why OmniFocus? What, what What's special about it? What, why this over things? Is it the flexibility that it offers? Or what, what about it? Yeah, there's a, a few things. First of all, it is a native app. So you're getting a very native app experience. And there's a lot of, lot of task managers that are that are web-based. And they might have a, like a, an iPad app or an iPhone app. But it doesn't always deliver that native experience where it's really deeply integrated into the operating system. So that's definitely one piece. Uh, Along that same line, having the data locally, I I find makes a big difference. If I am out of, if I happen to be sitting on a plane and I want to go through my tasks or something like that, there's there's no issue because I have a local copy of the data on all my different devices. So I really appreciate that that element. And uh, the third you mentioned already is the the customizability, the ability to kind of morph it into pretty much whatever... Excuse me, whatever you want. And uh, I think that's the essence of a personal task manager. It's that it is personal to you. You can set it up however you want. You can name things. You can use emojis to your heart's content. You can uh, you can really make it your own and just design it for, you know, what do I need to personally keep track of all of the things that I'm doing, whether they're things in personal areas of life or they could be things related to large team projects. It really spans the full gamut. And... Getting things done is kind of what it started out as. Uh, the application was very focused on that. Has this 
changed over the years? Is it more general purpose or is it still really, really about the getting things done methodology? Yeah, yeah. It was the original OmniFocus was definitely deeply inspired by the getting things done approach. And in some ways that hasn't changed. In other ways it has changed. Uh, I think probably the biggest departure over the years is the uh, what was introduced in OmniFocus 3 is the ability to have multiple tags. In OmniFocus 1 and 2, there was a, a concept of context. So that could be like at phone, at home, uh, at computer, things like that. Those classic GTD contexts. And you could only have one for each action. Um, but that was definitely creating some, some limitations sometimes and Sometimes something fit into two contexts, and maybe I have a context for John and Mary, but I, you know, they, they both need to be present for me to have that conversation. Or there might be a phone call that I specifically need to make while I'm at home for some reason. Maybe it's a, some sort of a support call where I need to need to be beside my cable modem or something along those lines. So I'd say that's probably the biggest departure over the years is just that uh, that multi multi tag approach and going beyond just being able to put context on things and and to be able to use tags that are not necessarily context in their own right. Gotcha. So you personally, you mentioned you have the consulting business. So what are some other examples of how you use uh, OmniFocus personally to get your day to day life done Do, and personal usage to use it for at home things as well? Yeah, sure. It, it really pervades all areas of my life. And from a personal productivity point of view, my two key tools are OmniFocus and Calendar. I use Fantastical. I'm a really big fan of that. And that essentially defines you know where I need to be or just like we're doing this interview now, having that on my calendar. And then OmniFocus is all about, you know, what are the specific actions that need to be taken. So in preparing for this this interview, I had a project in OmniFocus to prepare and to go through the questions you answered me and make sure I had the recording ready to go and so forth. So it's those are the two kind of uh, core elements of my system and everything that kind of rotates around that or things like note-taking apps and, and information repositories and so forth. Those are all essentially in service of those those two key tools, the calendar and OmniFocus. And within OmniFocus, tasks can have notes on them. Do you use that at all or do you depend on uh, third-party applications to take your notes and link it to that in some way. Yeah, my primary use of the note field in OmniFocus is to store a link to whatever information is relevant. Um, So if I wanted to review a document or something like that within the note field, I can have a link to that document. If I'm doing um, just one sort of Simple example is I've got some sort of maintenance tasks where I do like this uh, Dropbox has a security checkup that I run about once a month. And and I don't have any information in the, the re- repeating task that prompts me to do that except the link to it. So occasionally I'll put another you know bit of text in there just to have it at my fingertips. So if I were making a phone call, I might put the phone number in there. But most of the time I keep that, that note field very, very minimal. And most of the time it will contain a link to something that is taking me into the more sort of project support reference parts of my system and gives me the information that I need. Gotcha. Yeah, I know with Agenda, they make it really easy to share an Agenda link to a note, and that'd be easy to throw in the OmniFocus in that way. Yeah, and pretty much any sort of web-based system, uh, anything that that has a URL to whatever you're looking at, whether it's something like Asana or Notion or Evernote, or these are all things that can be easily referenced within, within OmniFocus. What have been some of the more interesting ways you've seen your clients configure the application for their 
particular uses? Uh, it's really all over the board. Um, a lot of the systems that I use, having said that, look very similar to my own. I think just because a lot of the people I'm working with um, do uh, subscribe to Learn OmniFocus and have seen, seen examples that I posted there. I think probably the most variability would be around the use of tags, and I've seen some some interesting and creative uses of tags. We had a guest on recently, uh, Robbie Burns, who was talking about his avoiding tag, for instance. And if he noticed he was avoiding something, he would tag it with avoiding. And and he'd make a point of uh, doing at least one of those avoiding things at the beginning of the day. And just really commented on how much uh, that freed up his, his time and energy. And, and uh, just having gotten that thing that was maybe occupying some mental bandwidth out of the way. It was very useful, and this is a great use for tags because it's a really convenient way to to hone in on those things. You don't have to do a lot of work to find them. They're already they're waiting to be uh, waiting to be challenged. And in the review process of OmniFocus, is it easy to add like an avoiding tag when you're doing the OmniFocus review? I, I kind of forget if that's a thing that's possible there. Yeah, so you can add anytime you're creating a new new action in OmniFocus, you can create a tag. So if you're just typing the name of a tag that doesn't exist, then you'd need to press command return, uh, which works with an iPad keyboard. And then there's a similar mechanism if you're not using a using a keyboard there. Um, but you can create tags whenever you need them. Uh, I tend to recommend that people, once they've created tags, even if it's not right away, maybe a little bit later in the day, go into the tags and kind of rearrange them, put them in logical sequence, maybe group it with other related tags just to keep that really clean. But yeah, it is it's very easy to create a, a tag at any point, whether you're going through the review process or or just sort of processing your inbox or whatever mode you happen to be in. Okay, excellent. Yeah, because we'll talk about the review in a little bit, but the review's one of my favorite things about OmniFocus, especially on the iPad. It's just great there. So for someone brand new to OmniFocus, how would you guide them in configuring their projects and setting their database to really make it not too overwhelming and kind of like a simple start to, to get their feet wet in OmniFocus? Yeah, the uh, I've gone through this process many times, with uh, especially with private consulting clients. And what we do to start off with is not to go into OmniFocus, which might seem a little little counterintuitive in some ways, um, because I think there's a, this temptation to really dive into the technology without a clear plan for how to use it. And and I think that's what kind of gets, gets people into trouble is not having that sort of planning stage. So I'm a big fan of um, mind maps and MindNode is a, uh, an amazing app on certainly on the iPad as well as the, the Mac and iPhone. So typically what we'll do is go through a process where they map out in in GTD terms, their areas of focus or areas of responsibility, and really define the scope of what they're going to be tracking through OmniFocus and their productivity system in general. So they'll identify major areas of their life. Maybe they've got their day job and a side business and different aspects of personal and friendships and so forth. And basically, once they have that, they have a good sense of this is what I need to manage. And that tends to really help to guide the design of the OmniFocus system. A typical implementation will be to have uh, top-level folders representing the major areas of life. So in my case, I've got one for personal. I have another one for consulting, for learn OmniFocus. And I have a one for my yoga teaching. I've been teaching yoga and meditation for many years. And then uh, one that I recommend tacking on as well is I usually call maintenance or system maintenance, which is dedicated to keeping the overall system up to date. 
not just OmniFocus, but other elements of the, the productivity system. And then those folders serve as a home for, for projects and single action lists. And a project, um, when I use the word project, I'm using the, the definition that David Allen would use, where it's a defined outcome that's going to take at least two actions to get to, two discrete actions. And in OmniFocus, those can be either parallel or sequential. Um, and then there's the third third type, which gets the, the naming gets a bit confusing because when you create it, you are creating a new project in a sense. Uh, but it's called a single action list, which is really a bucket of related one-off tasks. So I've got one, for instance, called friends and family. So if I'm, you know, going to put a task to phone my mom or something like that, that's going to go into that that single action list. And that's something that projects you finish a single action list is just mm-hmm. kind of a never-ending list of things you'll keep adding to that and never finish the project because it's just here these are things you need to do for this aspect of your life yeah yeah a single action list is pretty much always related to an area of focus or an area of responsibility and that's another area where having the the mind map is really useful to kind of define i need some way to keep one-off tasks in this area of my life so that's going to be a single action list but then there are also projects going on that i'm going to put alongside the single action list and can you mix sequential stuff within a single action list in any way or is that kind of separated uh based on uh, you could type? within a single action list yeah have action groups okay and an action group can be either parallel or sequential. Generally, there might be a few cases where that makes sense, but generally speaking, I would recommend just having a, a project or that's either parallel or sequential, or you could also have a parallel or sequential project that contains action groups that themselves can be parallel or sequential, and those can create contain other action groups that can be parallel or sequential. So it's a, it's a bit difficult to kind of describe without the visuals, but the idea is you, you're not stuck between choosing between parallel and sequential. You can have a, a parallel project that contains sequential elements, or you could have a sequential project that contains elements that are parallel, maybe blocks of actions that need to be done together. Yeah. And I think once people really get that concept, it just opens up all kinds of possibilities. They can have kind of have a pipeline, for instance, within their project where tasks are only revealed as it makes sense to reveal them and so forth. Yeah. So parallel is where you can do any of those tasks at any time. doesn't matter what order you do them in. Sequential, you got to do this, then that, then that after that. With mixing those, it seems like you could have parallel and then one of those is sequential within that. So you have um, the first thing you have to do, then, you know, it's kind of, so that's, it, it's, a, it's, it's uh, hard for me to describe, but uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that's a bit more visual. But so within a parallel project, you might have an action group where things within that group need to be done in a very specific order. So let's say the parallel project contains uh, this action group that's sequential, but it also contains four other actions to be done. So in terms of what's available, and this is a key concept in OmniFocus, is, is you when you're in that worker mode, when you're actually getting down to work, you only want to see things that are actually available for you to be worked on. So assuming those other individual actions within the project haven't been deferred off to the future or put on hold or something like that, then those will all be available, but then only the first action within the sequential group will be available until you mark that complete, and then the second one will become available and so forth. Gotcha. So how do you actually determine if something should even go into OmniFocus or if that data or task should be put in some other app? Does everything go in OmniFocus or is there a worry that you might clutter up your database with stuff that doesn't even need to be in there? Yeah, a really key thing is make sure that not everything goes into OmniFocus. In fact, I 
recommend uh, the phrase I use is make OmniFocus a sacred space because anything that's going in there ideally is stuff you're committed to doing, whether it's today or a month from now or something like that. And if it's well-defined, then it's going to be much more useful when you're in that doing mode, when you're actually getting down to work. The flip side of that is you you put everything but the kitchen sink into OmniFocus and you end up with this overwhelming system where you you can't find the really important actions amongst all the ideas you've had and things like that. And and that's usually where people get into trouble. And not just with OmniFocus. Um, I see people kind of do the rounds sometimes where they'll go and use another task manager for a while and then they'll they'll get into the same situation with that and then they'll move to another one to have that, that sort of clean canvas and run into the same situation with that. So it's it's really not so much about the app. It's about the um, the approach to using it. And that's one of the reasons I... I have that extra sort of design step before people dive right into it. And and so generally speaking, my recommendation for many people is only use OmniFocus for things that are well-defined that you're committed to doing. If something's an idea or something you might do in the future or something like that, it's better to keep that outside of OmniFocus and just move it into OmniFocus once you're committed to doing it. And that keeps the system very clean and relevant uh, it also means that you're not looking at lists of things where there's something you can't do. And it, it also means you have a really clear idea of how many projects do you actually have going on now. If someone has a lot of aspirational stuff and they've got 300 projects in OmniFocus, it's it's pretty hard for them to know what is my commitment level right now versus if they have the 30 projects that they're actually working on now or going to be working on very soon, then they'll be in a better position to decide, can I take on more work or what are some things that I need to, to do to in order to create space to be able to take on more work or more activities, things like that. Gotcha. And yeah, in the past, I used it to track. I was collecting N64 cartridges and games, and it really, it can be used for stuff like that. But I found that it's best to leave that kind of like inventory tracking and things that aren't tasks really outside of OmniFocus uh, to keep it clean. In addition to keeping it clean, interacting with that information is not necessarily as rich an experience in OmniFocus as it would be in other places. So for instance, I keep a list of my the books I'd like to read in Goodreads, which is an Amazon service. And the beauty of that is that I can... Within the context of my lists, I can see reviews, I can see which books my friends liked, I can write my own reviews, I can uh, track my progress on the reading, it's even integrated with my Kindle, so I can access those lists on the Kindle, and those are all the types of things that I wouldn't get in OmniFocus, which is just going to be a straight list. Uh, Having said that, people might be concerned if I put a list somewhere else that I'm going to forget about it and never interact with it, And, and that's where that bridge is really key, so having a an action that repeats in OmniFocus, something like review my Goodreads list or something like that with a link into that list. is a way of keeping OmniFocus part of the conversation, but not having it the, be the place where that information is actually stored. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's the ability in OmniFocus to pause, drop, and have active projects. Do you tend to use that much or train your clients to use it in any particular ways? Uh, I definitely drop projects sometimes. Um, that's a way of just saying, okay, I decided not to finish this thing. Maybe it's no longer relevant. Maybe I've decided it's, it's not a good use of my time. I tend not to put projects on hold. I might defer a project off to the future so that it shows up on my radar again at the appropriate time. But I tend not to put them on hold uh, because it creates a bit of an ambiguous state of am I doing this thing or not? So I'd be more likely to move it out of OmniFocus at that point. 
I might even create a, an action such as consider doing this project and maybe defer it off to February or something like that. So I don't lose track of that work that, you know, I had kind of maybe started doing. So it's, it's really, again, about keeping OmniFocus really operational and, and not just kind of a uh, someday maybe sort of system, but something that's really about, you know, what am I actually committed to working on? Gotcha. And pausing projects, do those show up in review, the weekly review or however you set that review to happen? Uh, yeah. So one thing I want to distinguish is there's a review feature within OmniFocus, yep. which I've never seen in any other app. It's, it's a really nice feature. And that's, that prompts you to go through all of the projects and single action list in the system that are ready for review. They've reached their review date. And you can decide whether you want to see, um, I believe that's on the iPad as well. I need to mm-hmm. double check uh, whether you want to see active projects as well as on hold or just the active ones. Okay. So you do have a bit of a filtering. Um, my my philosophy is to review everything regularly. And regularly might mean every two months. In one case, it might mean every two days in others. So the way I approach using the review feature is when projects become available for review, regardless of what day of the week it is, uh, I like to go in there and look at them, see if they're still worth doing. Is there anything missing? Are there things that have been done? Essentially bring them up to date and then click uh, Mark Reviewed. And the weekly review is is more of a, a bit more of a high level sort of perspective on things where I'm looking at my overall commitment levels, making sure that I've blocked off enough time in my calendar to get things done, those sorts of things. But I, I used to review all of my projects as part of the weekly review, but I just found it was getting... It was getting really tedious, and some projects I maybe need to to review more often than once a week, even if they're if they're really time sensitive projects. So review is a feature that I use regularly, and the weekly review is also a practice that I I do uh, pretty much every week. Gotcha. So there are some alternative inputs outside of just text. You can add to you can add to tasks an image or an audio capture from your microphone. Is that something you find useful often, or uh, I actually very rarely use those, and I, I know some people find them some very very useful. So they definitely definitely have their place. Um, um, like I was hearing an interview with a a I think she was an ER doctor, an ICU doctor, somebody working in a very sort of fast paced environment within a hospital, and she regularly used dictation to just as she was walking down the hall, you know dictate you know what needs to be done or some thoughts to take into account when she's taking care of that action or something along those lines um in my case i tend to use dictation instead of audio recording because then it does put it into a text-based format and i'm not having to go back and listen to that uh, that recording again and the dictation has gotten so good on both uh mac and and ios ipad os that uh, i think it's definitely accurate enough for my needs for those, that case uh, if I'm taking a picture of something to reference later, then I'll tend to take the picture somewhere else and have a, a reference to it from OmniFocus rather than keeping it within OmniFocus itself, especially if that image has some potential relevance in the future. And this is a good opportunity to really emphasize that OmniFocus, I don't think, is well-suited as a as a place to keep reference information, it's really about moving projects forward and and doing tasks and things like that. That's really its forte. So I prefer to keep anything that's that I want to reference in the future somewhere else, and then just 
reference it from OmniFocus to make sure whatever action is taken uh, needs to be taken is taken. Yeah. It'd be amazing in the future version as voice gets better to have a voice mode of OmniFocus. I'm in voice mode and you just tell OmniFocus, new project, you say the name, add this tab, you know, just talk to OmniFocus and it in front of you doing things for you to, to set up your, your project. You can do that to a limited extent using Siri, but I've found it's generally a little too fiddly and I yeah. always find I'm having to go in and make corrections. So. Right, yeah. Um, just, a, just a side note on the capture is I'm a huge fan of drafts as well been using that i think pretty much since it uh, first came out on the the iphone mm-hmm. and a lot of my capture actually goes into drafts um it's very convenient to capture it on the the apple watch you can have a complication where you just tap the the drafts icon and start talking and then it goes into the drafts inbox and i prefer to capture into drafts instead of omnifocus in many cases because when i capture the information i'm not sure if it even belongs in omnifocus or if it is actionable or something like that and I might be just capturing the name of a book, for instance, and then I'm just going to bypass OmniFocus and go right into Goodreads and, and park it where it belongs. So I found that an extremely useful tool. So you'll use drafts to input just things on your mind that you need to do. And then from drafts, you'll decide uh, if that should go in the OmniFocus Goodreads or if it needs to go anywhere and use kind of the share extension from drafts to send it where it needs to go. Yep. Yeah, and I use I have an action that, that actually just with one tap of the button puts it into the OmniFocus inbox without any further interaction from me. It adds really minimal friction between you know capturing something in drafts and putting it into OmniFocus, and uh, but then it also keeps the OmniFocus inbox very much geared to actionable things. I, I don't tend to put like an idea in the OmniFocus inbox because ideas don't belong in OmniFocus. Mm. That's where you know having drafts is that more sort of central hub for the productivity system uh, where literally anything's fair game. I could have some random thought while out for a walk or something like that. I put that into drafts and maybe I decide, okay, yeah, this is something I, you know, want to create a project around right away. This is something that, you know, I want to get going on right away. Or maybe it's something that I park in a system and don't take any action on for two years. Or maybe I decide to give it to somebody else because it's, you know, better fit for them. So, it just adds that extra level of of uh, sort of decision-making that I find is very useful because it prompts me to look at it and put it into the right place. Gotcha. And with drafts, do you have a custom workspace set up for the Apple Watch or is everything kind of in one big list that you look through? Uh, for the Apple Watch specifically, it's I, I keep it very simple. I just tap the complication, start talking, and then it ends up in my drafts inbox and and then I specifically put a badge on the, the drafts uh, app so that I know that there are things waiting for me to process in the okay. inbox so they don't yeah. linger there for, for too long. Um, but a lot of the processing I'll, I'll do on uh, my one of my Macs, my iPhone or my iPad. And, and um, it's nice just being able to pick up any of those devices and, and go through the list. Even if I'm sitting on the couch, I might go through some of it on my iPad and put things where they belong. And uh, um, yeah, so just that sort of multi-platform support is very helpful. But primarily the Apple Watch is really just a capture device. Gotcha. And that's really good use of the badge. Most time I turn badges off, uh, just I don't like them, but that's a really good use for that with drafts there. Uh, Do you use badges at all in OmniFocus itself? Uh, OmniFocus, the only place where I use a badge, and I think we have very similar approaches to badges, we don't like to see a lot of them, is if something becomes overdue, I I purposely want to 
be drawn. I want to be notified about that because hopefully it's something that I've already completed, but I, I didn't get around to checking off. But it is, is something that's legitimately overdue, then then um, I'm, I might need to drop everything and deal with that thing. So it's if I see a badge on something, it means that I'm being called to do something with that thing, whether it's process the drafts inbox or deal with something overdue in OmniFocus. The fact that I use badges in a very minimal way means that I actually, they have some relevance. I pay attention to them. There's something something that needs to be attended to. Them. Yeah. One of the more powerful things I love about OmniFocus is the concepts of defer until. And for some tasks, I don't even put a due date on. I just defer until, and this this is a task I just want to start now. And um, I know you don't like ambiguity, but not having a due date. Do you approach any of your tasks like that where you're just deferring until you want it there and not showing up until a certain date and then not even putting a due date on certain tasks? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I highly recommend only using due dates for things that are actually due. And by due, I mean there's going to be some consequence if you don't do it by that that date and time. Sometimes people will like to put a due date on things arbitrarily where they'll say, I'd really like to get this done by Friday, so I'm going to make it due Friday. The problem is it becomes hard to distinguish between what are the things that absolutely need to be done by Friday or I'm not going to have a job on Monday morning versus the more aspirational ones. So this is where uh, the defer dates and, and also flagged um, comes in. So generally speaking, if something's really important and I'm tempted to put a due date on it, I put a flag instead, unless it's legitimately due. And if it's not something I can do anything about until a future date, that's where I would defer it off. And the defer is essentially a way of saying uh, to OmniFocus, this is when I want this project or this action or this action group to become available. And in some cases, you might defer something to a future date just because you can't do anything about it today. Uh, so if I said I'll give you a call at some point next week, then I would defer it to Monday because there's no point seeing that. Uh, we're Tuesday today. There's no point seeing that until Monday comes along. And if I promised I would give you a call next week, then I would defer it to Monday and then it would be due the, the following Friday. Because if I call you three weeks from now, then I haven't honored that commitment to to call you when I said I would call you. So that's one example where you might have both the defer and the due dates where you don't want to see something to the future. There might be something else where, let's say, there's something work-related where um, I it's Friday and I say, okay, I could technically do it on Saturday the next day or Sunday, but I'm taking the weekend off. So I don't want to see this on my list of available actions until Monday at the earliest. So that's when I would defer it to Monday, even though in a sense there's nothing stopping me from taking action on it. Gotcha. Now, looking at the catalog of courses you have on Learn Omni Focus. I see a bunch of different integrations and companion apps. On iPadOS, how far can you go with integrating with other apps and services? Uh, It can really go a long way. Um, A lot of the integrations take the form of some sort of a a URL that takes you into that, especially if they're web apps. As I mentioned earlier, you you can very often link to a specific bit of information within a web app. So if I had... For instance, a task within Asana that I wanted to reference from from OmniFocus, I just take the the link for that task and I drop it into the note field in OmniFocus. Now I've got, I've created a link between those two. Um, so I think as long as you can reference it somehow, then uh, in a addressable sort of way, then then there's really really no limit to what could be done on the uh, on the the iPad. I'd say it's a little more flexible on the Mac overall um, in terms of being able to reference things. 
Uh, but the the iPad and the iPhone have certainly come a long way in terms of interacting with other other apps and services and so forth. Yeah, the share sheet on iPad OS does that is that very useful for OmniFocus? Do you find that you or uh, clients using that much? Yeah, sure. That's something I use constantly. So I might be, let's say, I'm, I use the Reader or E E D E R for as my RSS reader. And, and I might come across an article in there where I want to share it on the Learn OmniFocus Twitter feed or Facebook feed. And, and so that becomes an action because I have something specific to do. So that's an example of where I would use the share sheet to quickly create an OmniFocus action that contains a link back to the thing that I was referencing. And that's something I can do within seconds. And, and using shortcuts takes that even further where I might have a very specific way of that I want to format that action that's created in OmniFocus. And, and uh, OmniFocus has great support for, for shortcuts, and I can have it insert the, the tag, put it into the proper project or single action lists, literally with a, like a, a few few taps there. So, it's, so it's definitely the share sheet has just gotten more and more powerful, I think, especially um, with the updates to, to shortcuts. And speaking of shortcuts, uh, automation is something that Omni group has really devoted some time to. I think all their apps now have this JavaScript-based automation. So what does automation mean in the context of OmniFocus on the iPad itself? Yeah, sure. So there's, I'd say there's really three main ways to automate OmniFocus um, when it comes to the iPad. One is to use the shortcuts, as which, as I mentioned, can be, be really useful. For example, I've got a, um, a shortcut to create meeting notes. Uh, and what it'll do is it'll scan my calendar, I think I have it for the next five days, and ask me to pick a meeting. And then it'll create a note in drafts that's got the, the name of the meeting. I even put the time. It puts headings for the agenda and meeting notes and so forth. And then it prompts me to say, do you want to create an OmniFocus action to prepare for this meeting? And if I say yes, it'll automatically create an OmniFocus action with the appropriate tagging and so forth that has a link to the the drafts note. So I can just tap on the note and and maybe add some things to the agenda or something like that. Um, and then it sets the, in that case, I would want a, a due date because I don't want to make sure I'm prepared for the meeting in advance. So I think I have it set to two hours in advance of the start time of the meeting. It makes that action due. So that's just, every time I use that, it puts a smile on my face because it, it's just a few taps and all of a sudden I've created this nicely formatted note to take meeting notes. I've got the action all ready to go where I don't have to worry about you know, it's slipping through the cracks. And it's it was a bit of work to set up. I probably spent maybe half an hour setting it up, but I use it pretty much every workday. And and it's well, I'm sure it'll save me many hours and it'll help ensure that I'm really well prepared for meetings. Hearing that made me smile as well. That just sounds delightful how, how well thought out that is. Yeah. Is that a shortcut that's shareable or is there is it linked uh, in some way that's uh, kind of personally identifiable or Um I don't I'd probably this is pretty customized to to me I've kind of got it fine tuned um but I having said that I would be happy to share the shortcut so people can at least use it as a starting point. So yeah, that'd be great. Kind of build on that too. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's uh, shortcuts. The other second one is something that was introduced uh, earlier this year that I was very happy to see. That's the one you mentioned, Omni Automation. And Omni Automation essentially allows you to write JavaScript-based plugins for OmniFocus as well as Omni's other apps that can really kind of take a deep dive into the system. And the, the beauty of Omni Automation is that you can run these automations across all of the devices. They can be run on Mac, iPhone, and iPad. 
and the plugins sync across all these devices. So if I install something on my Mac, for instance, it becomes available on my iPad. And uh, there's a growing library of automations that other people have written, and some of those can be used right out of the box without any further uh, customization. So you might, it's as simple as downloading a file, opening it up in OmniFocus. OmniFocus recognizes it as a plugin and suddenly it's available across all your devices. And then you can take that a step further and take some something that someone has created and maybe you decide you want to tweak it or reference as a tag and you use a different name for a tag or something like that. So you can, without knowing JavaScript, you can do some simple modifications. And then people who are programmers who who are really into automation can can create some really, really fancy things that cause things to happen um, across uh, even multiple Omni apps or cause some major sort of changes within the system. Like there's one written uh, by the Omni group, Salsa going to the Omni group, and that deletes your unused tags, which can be really handy for cleanup where it goes through and finds tags that aren't assigned to anything and it can remove them from your system for you. So uh, that, that's a really exciting uh, development in Omni, Omni Focus from, from 2020. And, and I think that's still largely untapped. There's still so many plugins that are waiting to be written that can, uh, essentially the way I talk about it is it extends Omni Focus's feature set. So there's certain features that the Omni group are gonna add as part of their development. But maybe there's a feature that's something that might not be coming for a little while or it's it's very specific to your own needs and that's where Omni Automation makes that possible. And the plugins, where is like the database of like user generated plugins is I know uh Omni Graffle has this wonderful kind of community of stencil town or whatever. Is there a kind of community for where these can be found? Um, I've got uh, on my Learn Omni Focus site, uh, learnomnifocus.com under resources, there's a free plugin directory um, where you can go and these are ones that I've added. I use most of these personally, sometimes daily. And so that's a good place to go to just get a sense of uh, what's possible and to, to download some plugins. The Omni Group also has a website that's omni-automation.com. And I'd say the site is a little more geared to teaching people to write the plugins, but it does also have quite a large library of plugins. And some of the ones that I reference in the plugin directory actually come from the um, Omni Automation website. Okay. So my intention over time is to build out that directory. Um, I might even develop some of my own plugins and and just continue to build it out so that it becomes as accessible as possible. And I think that's where people will really get the the benefits of this. Not everyone's going to want to learn JavaScript and no. <laughs> write their own plugins, but they might be more than happy to download a file and, and add it to OmniFocus and, and get the, the benefits of that. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm not a developer and uh, I'd imagine it'd take a little bit of a learning curve to learn how to develop these myself. Yeah, I think JavaScript in general, if anyone's going to learn a programming language, is a very relevant one to know now. And uh, certainly beyond automating OmniFocus, um, certainly on iPad as well, too. Uh, apps like uh, Scriptable can be used to even create widgets that, uh, you know, display information on your home screen and things like that. So, yeah, so yeah, it's it's definitely a technology whose sort of time has come, I think. And, the plugins, you can install those on the iPad itself, like download them from Safari and install them, or do they have to be installed originally on the Mac and they sync over in some way? Uh, no, you can just download them into the uh, interact with them on the in the Files app and open them up there. And you just say open and OmniFocus, and it'll install it from that. Yeah, or there, if you want them available across all your devices, another way of doing it is you can manually copy it to the 
OmniFocus iCloud folder. There's a plugins folder within the OmniFocus folder in, in iCloud. Okay, And it cool. can be as simple as just copying it into that. So it's, there's, I, I did a course on this on Learn OmniFocus that walks through all these, these, these different steps and takes you like right from soup to nuts in terms of understanding the technology and installing plugins, even making a few changes. And in regards to the plugins, I noticed this developer mode that you can switch on in the iPad version. What does that actually enable for you? Yeah, it's, it's almost a bit of a misnomer because I think people might see that word developer and say that's not for me, but it's something I recommend that most, if not all, people turn on. And the biggest benefit is you get an extra button that appears um, in OmniFocus that allows you really easy access to all the plugins that you have installed. And you can get to them through the, the share menu as well, um, but only those plugins that are currently sort of selectable. So if if there's a plugin that's designed to only work if there's an action selected, then that won't appear in the share sheet, but it will still appear in the automation menu that's enabled by developer mode. And um, it'll be grayed out. You still won't be able to do anything with it. And just the way the plugins are presented within the that that extra button uh, that the developer mode makes available is just a lot cleaner, I find, than the share sheets. So uh, definitely a reason to turn that on. And if you are getting into developing plugins and you want to access the, the the console where you can type commands and the API reference and things like that. You can get get to all that through that, that menu as well. And the third way to automate. Yeah, the third way to automate is I'm a big fan of web-based automation as well. And what I really like about that is it doesn't rely on any devices being turned on for it to, to do its magic. Um, so Zapier is the one that I use mainly. I've been using that one for years and I I've got a number of OmniFocus actions, related actions within Zapier. And for instance, one is whenever I finish a client call, it'll automatically generate a an action in the OmniFocus inbox to follow up with that client. And in some cases, there might be no follow-up to do, and I can just delete it. But it does kind of create a safety net where I won't, you know, have a call with somebody and forget to send some notes or something like that afterwards. It, it just gives me that little extra prompt to say oh yeah, by the way, you might want to follow up with this person you just had a meeting with. And it's one of those things where I don't even need to think about it anymore. It's being taken care of in the background and and that action will be emailed off to OmniFocus and it'll show up in OmniFocus on all my devices. So with automation, what do you find yourself using on the iPad more so? Um, do you use any of the plugins or is it more the web-based stuff that you don't even have to think about? Um, yeah, certainly some things that are only really practical using shortcuts. Um, so for instance, the the shortcut I mentioned earlier about creating a draft and an OmniFocus action and so forth, I, I could probably figure out a way to do that on the Mac, uh, maybe using something like Keyboard Maestro. It, it's one an example of something that's, I think, easier to do on, on the iPad and it allows me to tap into... The features of any apps that I'm referencing, including in this case drafts and OmniFocus, uh, more so than I could otherwise. So, so I guess it depends. There's definitely things that are easier to do on the Mac that uh, you know might take me 20 minutes to do on the on the iPad and 20 seconds to do on the on the Mac. So yeah. that'll kind of dictate which ones I go to. Uh, sort of a, a bridge is like if I'm traveling and I only have my iPad, I use the Screens app to uh, interact with my iMac. Uh, Back at the home office. Isn't that great now with the Magic Trackpad, the Screens app? It just feels like you got a laptop in front of you. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, for all intents and purposes, I'm sitting there using my, my Mac. It just happens to be through my iPad. The iPad's essentially acting as a terminal. And as long as I have a reasonably fast internet connection where I am, then even the re- 
refresh times and stuff are great. So that's uh, I'm all, all about essentially using the best tool for the jump. And there's definitely certain things that I prefer my Mac for, and there's definitely some things I prefer the iPad for. And, and sometimes it's just on a whim. I just want to go sit on the couch now. And, you know, I'm tired of sitting in my office. I just want a change of scene. So it's nice to be able to just grab my iPad and pick up work where I left off. And that's one reason I tend to favor apps and services that work well across all of the, the different Apple devices. Yeah. So uh, the forecast was added a while back, and it's one of my favorite ways to look at the week ahead. Is this something you find yourself using much, or do you rely on other ways to figure out what to do next? Yeah, it's. Uh, I really like the forecast feature. It's uh, one that I've been using since it was introduced. Some people will actually use it as their kind of today list to say, what do I want to work on today? I don't typically use it that way. I prefer to have my today perspective where I can have more ability to customize, you know, what shows up there, how the information is presented and so forth. I'd say my prime use of the forecast is to look forward to see what I'm going to have showing up on my plate so I can see, you know, what's being deferred till Saturday and what are some things that are becoming due um, so that I can be strategic about making time available in my calendar. In some cases, maybe... I renegotiate some deadlines because I'm not sure that I'll be able to deliver that thing I promised a week from now or something like that, or I'd prefer to deliver it within two weeks. And and just the fact that I have kind of a dashboard to, to see those things, I think is very useful and allows me to jump forward into the future. Gotcha. And that's getting even more useful uh, with the new widget support that's, that's coming to iOS and iPadOS 14, uh, where you'll be able to see... One of the widgets is a forecast, and it's a really nice way of looking at the next week without even being an OmniFocus. And there'll be other widgets coming for that allow you, as part of that that uh, the next updates, that'll allow you to see specific perspectives to see, you know, are there things waiting in my inbox waiting to be processed, things like that. Oh, that's been great. I'd love it if you could like time them to like during these hours show the home perspective, during these hours show the work perspective. That'd be really neat. I guess you could if you're putting them into a stack. Um, yeah, I don't know if the, if the OS is quite smart enough to surface <laughs> those things, or it might take a little little while to learn. And I'm sure there's something clever that could be done through through shortcuts to to deliver on that. And and I've seen people create shortcuts uh, in JavaScript with the Scriptable app, where it's there's one that um, I don't know if you've used uh, Charty, which is can be used to display oh, a, yeah. a graph within a widget and. So um, Robbie Burns, who I mentioned earlier, he, was, he referenced one um, that was uh, an idea of Scotty Jackson, who's been another guest on the Learn Omni Focus. Uh, and if if your listeners are interested in in hearing and seeing different ways Omni Focus can be used, I've made all of the workflow sessions available free of charge. And there's there's a lot of lot of different ones from people like David Sparks and Karash Dini, who's a, a really experienced Omni Focus user, and all kinds of different sort of perspectives on it. But the idea there is to be able to kind of surface information from OmniFocus without actually having to be an OmniFocus so it doesn't get forgotten, so you can see sort of different views into it, even if OmniFocus isn't the one creating those views. Yeah, no, very cool. So OmniFocus, sometimes people get scared off for being too complex. What uh, what about it do you think makes it too scary for some people? I think the fact, well, there's two things. One is that's that blank canvas sort of experience, as I mentioned earlier. Um, if you look at an app like Things, which is another beautiful 
task management app, it, it provides more sort of structure in terms of you have more places, more designated places to put things right out of the box. With OmniFocus, um, it's more left up to the user to say, you can organize this any way you want. But people might get a little stuck saying, okay, I, I don't even know where to start. How do I use folders? You know, what goes where and so forth. And, yeah. Uh, so that's that's one piece of it. And then the other piece is just the, it is does have a very rich feature set. And I think sometimes people say, okay, I paid for this app. I need to use every every feature in it and on day one and, and get a little overwhelmed with some of the more advanced. Decision-making paralysis. Yeah, exactly. So OmniFocus could be used in an extremely simple way. You don't. Uh, you could even just put great uh, projects and start putting tasks into them. You don't necessarily even need to use tags in that case, even though they can be extremely useful. Uh, so you can start off with a very basic uh, setup and just get comfortable using that, get into the habit of using it. I think one of the biggest hurdles is not the app itself. It's the developing the habits around using it regularly. When people come and work with me and I and they say, oh, yeah, my OmniFocus has gotten out of date and, and uh, you know, I haven't even looked at it in two weeks or something like that and I want to get back on. Now, I'll always ask them, you know, where. So if OmniFocus isn't driving your your activity, you know, what is and, very often it's something like email. So that, so I kind of try to reframe it to say, okay, this is a place where you can create your own list of things to be done regardless of what requests and information is coming from the outside world. And you can start off with this in a very simple way and maybe even just use it in one specific area of your life and get into the habit of using that. Maybe people only use it for personal to start with because their work is more complex and then they get really comfortable using it personally. They don't have kind of the pressure of using it in a fast-paced work situation. And then they add on the, the work components to it as well. Gotcha. So when the iPhone came out, out in 2007, we had OmniFocus a year later, I think in 2008 that launched, and geolocation was something big for iPhones. Like, oh, you can now geolocate your, your tasks. Is that something that's useful at all uh, these days? Is that something you find yourself using, or is it just something novel at the time and something not as important for most people's workflows? Uh, well, I'm not going as nearly as many places these <laughs> right. days. So I, don't, I haven't been using that, that feature as much, but when things get back to whatever the new normal is, uh, I'll I'll go back to using that extensively as I have in the past. And, and it's one of those things where I, I don't use it just for the sake of using it. I use it when it's genuinely useful. Um, but there are times when, um, like I'm not working there currently, but I have a co-working space uh, in downtown Vancouver. And there are certain things that I need to do when I'm actually at the space. Maybe I need to collect whatever mail is around. So that's a perfect use case to say, okay, when I when I'm walking in the door, make sure you notify me of anything that I need to do at High Vancouver is the name of the space. Like pick up the mail uh, because I might just go there, work and not realize till I get home that I didn't collect the mail. So for things like that, I think it is very relevant. If it's something a bit more arbitrary when you're, you know, you could do something anywhere, but for whatever reason, it's notifying you at specific locations. Those are the types of things I would tend to turn off and notifications in general. Um, I take a really minimalist approach to it and try to keep them as sparse as possible, including both like badges and alerts and things like that. And those notifications that I do receive, I actually pay attention to and they're, they're genuinely useful. Yeah. And then another thing back in the day that was very popular was the kind of using people as like it, I guess it's now in the tag category of what you'd use uh, the people thing for. Is that something that you find yourself using? I use that 
I'd say not as much as I used to because I tend to, especially if it's work-related, I tend to have meeting agendas. And so the, what I need to talk to that person about more likely lives in that drafts as a, as a checkbox item in there. Uh, but I do have, um, especially in the personal area of life, I do have people tags. And, and that might mean that I'm there with the person, you know, in person, or it might just mean, you know, they're on the phone and I quickly pull up the list of things I need to talk to that person about. So, yeah, again, this is, I think, any anything that allows you to hone in on those things that are most relevant in the moment um, is useful. And in this case, you know, having a person tag is going to help me hone in on things where I need that person to be present in some form to take action. Yeah. So on the Mac, email, Apple Mail... Uh, seems very well integrated into OmniFocus. That's not the case on iPad. Is that right? And I think on the Mac, you can even have like your OmniFocus act as like a server where you can email into OmniFocus. Uh, in what ways can you integrate email into OmniFocus and do you do much of that? Yeah. Uh, so you have, first of all, you have a, an Omni mail drop account, which when you create an OmniSync server, which is the the way that you keep all your devices in sync. So you create an OmniSync account to do that. And and that that comes with an Omni mail drop, so you can actually just email this this email address from anywhere, and it'll end up in your OmniFocus inbox. And that's without the Mac open. That's part of the server uh, sync solution. Yeah, so that's something the Omni Group provides as a service, and okay. so that'll it doesn't matter what device you send it on. You could send it somebody could send it on Windows, and it would still end up in the inbox on all all their OmniFocus uh, uh, apps and all their devices. On the Mac, you have a a service that. It can be tied to a keyboard shortcut where you can say, send the selected email to OmniFocus. And what it does is allows you to create an action with a link back to the original message. And that can be accomplished on the iPad as well, but it's not quite as convenient, which is one of the reasons I'm more likely to process emails on on the Mac. Um, but if you have the OmniFocus and Mail running in split screen, you can actually drag a mail message right into your inbox or even into one of your projects, and uh, it'll add that as a an action, and it'll create a link back to the original message. So it's so useful. What I'd really like to see, and I was really hoping this would come with the, the latest iPadOS 14, is a more of a share sheet functionality where I could just say, select a message and say, share this off to OmniFocus and have it do essentially the same thing as the service does on the, the Mac. But, uh, but it didn't happen so far, maybe maybe when iOS 15 comes on. Yeah, uh, the Siri has the remind me of this email thing, but I think it's stuck with the Reminders app is how that one works. It's worth noting as well, too, there are other mail clients. Um, there's ones like Spark and yeah, AirMail and and these have built-in OmniFocus integration as well. Um, but for several reasons, I've decided to stick with the native mail app on, on across all my devices. And one of the main reasons is I rely on some mail plugins on the Mac, and and um, those just don't exist for any of the third-party email clients. Yeah. And given that I'm using mail on the Mac, it makes sense to use it on the iPhone and iPad as well because I want to take care of, you know, take advantage of things like the VIP notifications and so forth. So. OmniFocus on the iPad, what kind of OS level features does it take advantage of? I know drag and drop was added back in the uh, a couple of years ago. Um, how was drag and drop used in other iPad OS related features? I don't find I have much of a reason to use drag and drop in apps other than mail. Um, okay. Trying to think of some specific use cases. but When you're dropping a project, you mentioned you move it outside into some other app. How do you end up, is there a share sheet you export your fr- 
old project off with or how do you do that? If I'm dropping a project, the implication is I'm done with it. So I don't even generally bother putting the information anywhere else. Okay. It's more the fact that I'm dropping it means that it stays in kind of the the history of OmniFocus, it's it's not gone from the database, but I'm not going to see it even if I say, show me sh- show me all. I'd see it if I say, show me all, but if I show uh, available or remaining, it's it's not going to show up. So it's... Pa- pausings where you'd want to do that, right? If I were, yeah, if I were deciding, okay, I'm not going to do this project after all, it, I'd probably at that point just take some notes on it and, and store those notes away. Okay. Um, I don't think I'd even bother exporting from OmniFocus at that point. Okay, gotcha. And then uh, flags, how do you find yourself using these? Uh, and are they important in your workflow? Yeah, so I, I definitely make extensive use of flags. And as I mentioned a little while back, the, the main use cases for things where I want to raise their level of importance, but not it doesn't deserve a due date because there isn't there isn't anything to do about it. So there's certain things that I'd really like to get done today uh, that if I ended the day and got those done and say, okay, yeah, I know I did, did really well today. Uh, I could technically do them tomorrow if something major happened today, the power went out or the internet or something like that. And, and I just couldn't do that work. Uh, I'm not missing any deadlines by not doing them. But the fact that I do them today is going to make tomorrow easier or maybe Maybe it's going to make someone else's life easier because I'm I'm uh, taking care of something that's going to make their their job easier. Those sorts of things. So the key with flags is to use them sparingly. Uh, if you have a hundred things you can do today and and you flag ninety of them, then flags are are not very right, not very relevant at that point. And but if I have a bunch of things I could good to today and I maybe flag like five of them. And once I've done those five, I can go back and flag some more. It's just pulling them onto my short list. Gotcha. And the fact that I can combine them with do do soon items as well um, makes them even more useful uh, where I can kind of pull that list together where the do soon items are going to show up there automatically. And then the flagged items will show up there just because they're available and have a flag on them. Very cool. And then the last question I have for you um OmniFocus is available on the watch, iPhone, iPad, Mac. Do you find yourself using on the watch and iPhone? And how does your kind of usage change between the different devices you're on? No, I'll add one more to the list. It's actually available on the web as well. And that's, I think, primarily used by people who have like a Windows computer that they use for work and they still want to get to their and their tasks. And, and it started off pretty bare bones, but it's definitely come a long way. They just added support for custom perspectives, which is something that, that didn't exist before uh, about two weeks ago. In terms of the watch, sometimes I'll use the watch to just kind of kind of get a barometer on how am I doing today. Um, so I can put my the account for my hot list can be displayed as a complication on the, the watch face. So as I glance at it, I can see, okay, I've got three more items on my hot list. And I think any time where there's a visual cue, and this is one of the biggest challenges with technology is things too often get buried and forgotten. Um, so having things like compli- complications on the Apple Watch and then widgets on the iPhone and iPad really help to to surface those things. Every, if every time I look at my watch, I get that little cue, oh, you've got some work to do today. Or every time I open my phone, I see that widget to show me there's three things that are due before the end of the day. Then I'm much more likely to interact with those things and I'm much, much less likely to have them slip through the cracks and then create this unnecessary stress. Gotcha. And anything else about OmniFocus we haven't covered that you'd like to before we wrap it up? Uh, I'm sure I could go on for hours more, but I think those are <laughs> definitely the key points that I, that I covered today. And, and uh, yeah, there's just, there's a, I'd say the sort of 
key thing is to really determine what purpose OmniFocus serves in your, your life and work and use it for that and only that. And I think that leads to the, the best possible OmniFocus experience. And I like to joke that uh, after working with me, people tend to use OmniFocus less than they did before, <laughs> but they're getting a lot more usefulness out of it. And, yeah. and I think that goes to all the, the apps in the system, looking at what purpose does Draft serve, what purpose does MindNotes serve, what purpose does whatever notes apps are and, and it can be really useful just to articulate those and say what types of things go into these apps i even create a mind map of that i've got a mind map which lists out my core productivity apps and i i have nodes uh, under those main headings to say what what things go in there which is a really useful exercise that's really neat and uh, if you do want hours and hours more of content from you about omnifocus uh, where can people find your excellent courses yeah so if you go go to learnomnifocus.com and one thing to point out is even though it's called Learn OmniFocus, it's really teaching people productivity with OmniFocus being at the, the focal point. So there's a lot of, uh, I weave in a lot of getting things done principles. I've got an approach called holistic productivity that I weave in there and talk about a lot of, a lot of other apps as well. And there's also a live component. I really enjoy connecting with people. I've had people join from over 85 countries now. And so we have some theme sessions like this week we're doing one on using OmniFocus and MindNote. And then we do these small group office hours, I call them, which is a maximum of 10 people per group. And everyone's on video. And sometimes we have people from like seven or eight different time zones just in this one session. And just, yeah, just have some amazing chats in that as well. That's really cool. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for your time today. It's been wonderful learning more about OmniFocus. And it makes me kind of want to get reinvigorated and uh, dive even deeper into this application I've used for so many years now. Okay, well, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on your podcast and, uh, and thanks to everyone for listening. Well, that was my interview with Tim Stringer all about OmniFocus. As a reminder, you can find his work over at learnomnifocus.com. But thanks again to Tim for his time recording this episode and to you for your time and attention tuning in. That'll do it for this episode of iPad Pros. I'll talk to everyone again real soon. Thanks for listening.